God put this word in my heart a week ago, and it's nothing new. But let me tell you something. If you and I can really receive this word, it will save your life. It will save your life. I mean, just turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, well-known scripture. I don't think we could ever really know the scripture, but we trust the Holy Spirit to actually teach us. Amen. You see, teaching is a two-way thing. It's not what he said, it's what's heard. Christ said, those who have ears, let them hear. Everybody's got ears, for heaven's sake. That's the issue. This listening is about allowing, yielding. That's what it is, receiving. Amen. Anyway, Romans 12, 1 to 3. I beseech you. Don't you like that word, beseech? It's almost like beg. I can see Paul had the same problem. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, right there. That's all sermon in its own, but we can't stop there. Okay, Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, now listen to this, be conformed to this world. You see that? Do not, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay, now, Holy Spirit, help us to get this word through. We need your help. No spirit of darkness will interfere with this word in Yeshua's mighty name. It will accomplish that for which it has been sent, that we, your people, might not just survive in these days, but be victorious in every area of our lives. In Yeshua's mighty name. All right, now you see, it says you don't be conformed to this world system, all right, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This message is called Mind Renewal. Mind Renewal, all right. This is where it all happens, in your and my minds. Now, We've got to understand something. You and I live, in a sense, we swim in a sea of ideas and concepts. Amen? When I taught history, I explained it to the kids as intellectual climate, the way everybody thinks. But please note something. We swim in that. And because we swim in it, we automatically absorb it. Okay? You don't have a choice. You do have a choice. But if you don't know any better, that's how it happens. I remember I went fishing with my brother-in-law, ex-brother-in-law, to a dam to the north of us here called Rastavinta. If you've been there, it's a beautiful little dam, but we went fishing. And I was so thrilled. I didn't catch anything, but he caught a whole lot of these bass. And on the way back from there, he was going through to Joburg. He said, you can have the bass. I thought, oh, how wonderful. Now, I must explain. Growing up, I grew up in an area where, in our village up in Zambia, there were three massive bodies of water around us, fresh water. If you went there and you fished, what did you do with those fish? You took them home and you cooked them, because you don't sell those, they were too good to sell. But you ate them. <laughs> fresh fish, fresh bream, there's nothing to beat it. And I know how to cook bream. Let me tell you, I can cook bream every which way but loose. I can put it in a container and smoke it. I can put it on a piece of bark and bake it. I can do anything with it. So here I've got this wonderful bass, which is the same as Bream, actually, Tilapia family. I think, oh, my soul. 
when I get home, I'm going to cook some fish. Oh, me. Oh, my. The technique was there. But can I tell you something? You can cook mud as much as you like. It still tastes like mud. <laughs> now, what am I saying? These unfortunate fish spent their life swimming in filthy water. You understand? And because of that, they tasted like filth. Okay, I'm quite good at cooking fish. So please, it wasn't my fault. But these were disgusting. <laughs> Throw it away. I was so disappointed. As they say in Afrikaans, back off. Is that right? Back off. But now, what is my point? Those fish didn't choose, you understand, to taste like dirt, did they? I don't think fish think, right? I don't know if a fish has got a brain. But if they did, they don't choose. Oh, let's swim in here so we'll taste like mud. They don't have a choice. Do you understand? Why? It's where they live. And because they swim in this filthy water, that's what they become. Now, please listen carefully. You and I swim in intellectually in more filthy water than that, let me tell you, in our society. All right? And if we don't know any better, please, this is the whole point of coming to church and learning about these things. That's how we become. You don't have a choice. Are you hearing me? You don't have a choice if you know no better. You and I will be conformed to this world system. Amen? Now please, I'm not just talking about morally. That's almost obvious. But this world system has got a way of thinking. Alright? And what you and I don't normally realize is that the way the world thinks is contrary to the way God thinks. Amen? And let me just say this. You and I negotiate and we interact with the world system with this brain of ours. Amen? You perceive with your brain. You react with your brain. We operate according to what's in our brain. You can't go beyond it. Amen? You can't. As a man thinketh, so is he. That's what the Bible says. If you're convinced that you are ugly, guess what? You're going to think that you're ugly. Even if you're the most beautiful, and we all are, can I just tell you that the most beautiful creation on the face of this earth. But you see, it all depends on the word in your brain. And let me tell you, the devil's job is what? Twist it. Twist it. Day in, day out. Are you hearing me? Day in, day out, to conform our thinking to the pattern of this world. And that's why you and I find ourselves in difficulties in this world. Now you see, we get born again. We now belong to a different world, if I can put it that way. Did you know that? We are in this world, but we're actually not of it anymore. That's our position in Christ. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. But here's the problem, you see. For many of us as Christians, we are in this world, but we don't belong here. We actually belong to another world. And we are supposed to impose that other world 
into this world. That's what the Lord's Prayer is about, is it not? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Via what? Kingdom, Kingdom come where? Yeah. Here. Thy will be done here as it is in heaven. But let me tell you something. You and I will never impose God's kingdom here on this earth if we are not living in his kingdom on this earth, ourselves. Okay? Which is how we're supposed to be living. I mean, we are a different species of being, let me tell you. Completely. Peculiar people. We're here, but we don't really belong here. Did you know that? But you see, you and I will not be able to operate as, if I can call it, alien beings on this earth if we're still thinking the way this world system thinks. Amen? And that's what makes life for Christians very difficult. We're trying to live as Christians, but we're thinking as normal humans. Okay? That's our problem. So it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And as a result, we read the Bible, you see, and we're thinking like the world, and we read the Bible, and it doesn't make sense. But, you know, we must read the Bible as Christians, you see. And what happens then is we start to now rationalize the Bible. We water it down, you see. And then we get into theology, which I love. We get theological. Spend seven years studying to try and understand the Bible in terms of the common brain. <laughs> Me, please. God's ways are not our ways. But you see, the key here is this. We have to renew our minds. You see, God doesn't do that. You and I have got to do it. Who's got to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? God or us? The problem with us living sacrifices is we're continually creeping off the altar. <laughs> have you noticed that soon? in your few years as a Christian? <laughs> oh Lord, take my life, but just hold on. <laughs> I mean, I'm a living sacrifice. But I'll crawl off every now and then, you see, just because it's convenient. But you understand, we've got to do something. And we've got to learn how to renew our minds. And this is what this message is about, how to actually do it. There's a twofold process that God explained to me. Let me explain it this way. If you and I are not able to renew our mind, we will not apprehend the kingdom of heaven and we'll not be able to present it to the earth. Amen? We have to renew our mind. In other words, we have to make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to think the way the world thinks. I'm going to think the way God thinks, as expressed in his word. You see? And that, brothers and sisters, is a process. But you see, we've got to do something. And this is the difficult thing as Christians. Why? Our mind is pounded by the world system day in and day out. And it's not just sinful thoughts. Let me tell you, it's common sense you think. Common reasoning. We have to change our thinking to think God's ways. Because God's ways are much higher than ours. And Christ, if you look at his life, let me tell you something. He spent his time trying to get, as I'm going to explain, his disciples to think differently. Amen? It was a battle. It is an uphill battle. Why? We spent our whole life swimming in the mire. All right? 
So you see, we just think that the way we think is the way everybody thinks and it's just quite normal, quite normal. Sharon was shocked when Janet first pitched into her school and Sharon said something about I'm scared or something like that and Janet told, don't say it. What? I've been saying this my whole life. No, I said I'm dying to come and have a cup of tea. I'm dying to have a cup of tea. So Janet said, don't say that. Don't say that. And she thought Janet was mad. Don't you speak straight? Most people think we're mad. Okay, all right. But thank God you're not most people. But what am I saying? You see, we have to renew our minds. Now, please, this is the lesson to learn, and this is so important. Renewing the mind is a twofold process. And the illustration God gave me was replacing carpets in your home. But just imagine you've got a beautiful home with lovely carpets. And they're getting a bit old, they're getting a bit tatty, and you've got money to replace them. All right? A dream come true. Now you go to the shop and you choose the most beautiful carpets. You've won the lottery, so you can just go all out. And you get these wonderful carpets, and you get the people to come and to cut them to size and to fit them. Would it make any sense to just fit the carpets? on top of the old carpets? No. Would that make any sense at all? You can't see the old carpets. they covered up. The door might be a bit hard to open, but does that make any sense at all? Even if you've got the new carpets, you're still walking on the old ones, the rotting old ones. Amen? What have we got to do? The first thing you have to do is rip out the old carpets. Amen? You've got to take those old carpets and throw them away or give them to the pastor. <laughs> give them to the church, charity. But you understand, you have to do two things. You can't just lay the carpet. You've got to, got to rip up the old carpet. And let me tell you something, renewing you on my mind, is exactly like that. You understand? We must fill our minds with the word of God. Yes. The new carpets. We must do that. But what have we also got to do? You've got to challenge the old way of thinking and rip it up. Are you hearing me, church? We've got to confront the old way of thinking and rip it up. Rip it up. And get rid of it. Remember the parable of the wineskins? The Lord said, it's no good taking beautiful new wine and putting it in old wineskins. Why? Those wineskins are dry, brittle, they'll just burst and the new wine is... <laughs> Same with the Word of God. We go to church, hear the wonderful message, hopefully. We go to whatever source we have of getting the Word and we listen to wonderful messages and we just take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in. But we don't do this very often. Change the old wineskin, you see. And challenge the old way of thinking. I hear you, church. This is a difficult process. You and I have got to continually, continually confront the old way of thinking and consciously, note, consciously change it. Are you hearing me? Consciously change it. 
and then replace it with God's thinking. Amen? That is the process, the painful process, may I say, of renewing the mind. Now listen, you and I, children of God, do not have a choice. Are you hearing me? We want God's power and glory in our lives. We have to renew our minds. Let me just give you the examples of Christ. Now please, we're not just talking about sin. Of course we're talking about sin, but it goes far beyond that. Remember, Christ walked on this earth. He said to his disciples, the things I do, you will do greater. What is he saying? He said, look at my lifestyle. I expect you to operate like me, but even more so because I'm here to teach you. Amen? Now listen, he walked with these people and he shocked them on many occasions. And every time, what did he do? He challenged their, their thinking. Here they are in the wilderness, thousands of people, over 5,000 people. That's a lot of people, let me tell you. When I was teaching at the school, we had an occasion where all the students came down to the stadium and I was trying to pump up these balloons for all of them because we we're going to let them off into the sky. And there were 2,000 students. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to pump all these balloons up with you? There's 2,000 people is a lot of people, but this was even more, 5,000 plus. And now the question is, how are we going to feed them? People get hungry, do they not? And they're in the wilderness, so they haven't eaten for days. My soul, what a teacher he must have been for people to spend days without food to listen to. What am I doing wrong? Some people won't even get out of bed to come and hear me. God help me. But you see, here this problem looms in their minds, logistics. How on earth are we going to feed them? They say to the Lord, how are we going to feed them? What does he turn around and say? Exactly what I'm talking about. He says, you feed them. You feed them. You feed them. What? How many beans have you guys got? You know, sort of thing. Feed them. Feed them. Does that make any logical sense whatsoever? What's he trying to do? The Bible says he did this to teach them a lesson. He's teaching them, rip up your old way of thinking. What's the old way of thinking? We're limited to what we can see. Are you hearing me? What is God saying to you and I? Forget about what you can see. We're not limited to what we can see, touch or feel. Are you hearing me? That's what you have to rip up first before we can get fed. I hope we're hearing this. In this day and age, let me tell you, what you and I can see and feel and touch is going to get less and less and less and less, if you haven't noticed it already. What you and I can see, touch and feel, our resource base, our bank balance, cash in the pocket, whatever you want to call it, our source of supply, to the mind, gets smaller and smaller. Can I just say something? If we haven't renewed our mind, you're going to be stuck as a Christian. You're going to end up, I don't know, shortcuts, robbing banks, etc., just to feed yourself. When you're hungry, let me tell you, the Bible can go out of the window quickly. Seen it. Are you hearing me? But what did he do to his disciples? You feed them. What's he really saying? Rip up your way of thinking. In the wilderness, to God, no problem. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? For God in the wilderness, no problem. Don't worry. 
Now, normally when people say to you, don't worry, I get really worried. You know, when the mechanic says to you, what's wrong with my car? Don't worry. <laughs> I'm so, we're done for now. I mean, even a doctor says to you, don't worry, then I start to get worried. They understand. But with God, don't worry. Don't be afraid. But isn't it normal to be afraid? Shouldn't we be frightened? Shouldn't we be concerned? Stinking thinking. Are you hearing me, Trey? Old way of thinking. Before you and I can really believe God, what have we got to do to the old way of thinking? Tear it up. Do you think you tear it up today, it's going to go away forever? No. What comes back normally about three o'clock in the morning? It's when the devil pays me a visit. Between three and four, you see. You understand? When you're sort of like weak and you're just half asleep and comes with that thought. What do you do with it? Challenge the thought. Tear it up. Chuck it out. Fill your mind with the word. Are you hearing me, church? That was the Lord. Let me go even a step further. I mean, Jairus comes to him. My, my child's about to die. Come and save her. Please. A child dying. I mean, it's hard for you and I to just grip hold of that. I've been in hospitals and I've been there where the child is dying. And I tell you, it's heart-rending. The parents are so distraught. It's hard to describe, and it's understandable. Sometimes in a situation like that, God says, just put your hand on the father's shoulder, just show him the God's hand. But you understand, it's traumatic, traumatic. So anyway, the Lord says, no, we're on our way. Let me just heal this lady first. And Jairus saying, hurry up. Just hold on, hold on. She's got an issue of blood. <laughs> but anyway, okay, she gets healed. Let's move. Too late. Too late, Jairus. She's dead. What does the Lord say? The person who we're supposed to copy, by the way. We're supposed to emulate Christ. He's our example. Did you know that? The other good people in the Bible that we can learn from, but they're not our example. You understand? Look at a person like King David. I learn a lot about praise and worship from him and many things he's got to teach us. He's not a very good example. Amen. My father had a joke he used to say, for you I'll kill the bull. For your wife I'll kill you. <laughs> That's what David did. Amen. But you understand, he's not our example. We can learn from him. Abraham, the whole toot, Isaac, Ruth, everybody, we can learn from them, but they're not our example. Christ is our example. And we have to emulate him. And what does he do in a situation like that where everything looks totally devastating? The child is dead. Don't worry him anymore. The Lord turns to Jairus and says, Don't panic. Don't panic. Renew your mind, Jairus. God's here. You understand? It gets even worse. He goes to the place where the child is lying, stone dead, cold, and everybody's mourning, mourning, mourning. You know, they love to mourn these people. Ooh, crying, weeping, wailing. Sick, anyway. What must they do? Well, he says to them, please, this is once again, you and I have got to grip this. God does not operate on our level. Have we got that? But to grasp a scripture like this, what have we got to do to our old way of thinking? Rip it up. Somebody's dead, it's not the end. Wow. And what does he say? 
She's not dead. She's only sleeping. Because you see, he understood things from God's perspective. Her spirit had left, but that doesn't mean the spirit can't come back. All right? Can you see that? Death is not final for God, by the way. Nothing's final for God. He operates at a completely different level, and we're supposed to. How are we going to do it? You understand? Don't get theological and say, oh, that was the Lord. Well, he's inside of you, so you're supposed to be operating. We're supposed to be operating like him. And what does everybody do? What does the world do when confronted with God's way of seeing things? Isn't this amazing? God himself standing there and humankind laughs him to scorn. The renewed mind, can I tell you, is an object of complete mockery to the world. Live with it. Live with it. Amen? You're not going to make anybody happy. But you're going to bring joy. Who is the one that laid his hand on that little child's hand brought it back? Amen? Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing God? Are you hearing God? We're supposed to operate at a completely different level. The Lord's up the mountain praying. Because of circumstance, his disciples say, we're going across the lake, do you want to join us, sort of thing. They no, carry on, carry on, I'll catch up with you. They're in the boat thinking, how's he going to catch up with us? I mean, dear God, has he got another speedboat? <laughs> jet ski. The Lord, well, he did have a jet ski, actually, but it wasn't a jet ski in your mind and my mind. He was thinking at a different level. He'd rather spend time with his God and let his God sort out the details. Amen? He didn't jump on the boat and say, oh, well, catch up later on. No, no, no. God first, time with him. And when he'd finished and he saw them out on the sea, time to go. And then what does he do? This blows your my human mind. He walks on the water as if it was land, operating at a completely different level. What am I saying? If you look at the life of Christ, he lived at a completely different level. Amen? Completely different plane. They wanted to kill him. The whole synagogue came out to throw him off a cliff. The synagogue had to have at least 10 people. So I assume there were at least 10, if not more. Probably 30, probably 40. A band of 40 angry Jews. Quite a formidable force to reckon with. And he's one man on his own. And there's the cliff. And they're backing him up against the cliff. They want to throw him over. What does he do? miraculously goes through them. I want us to pick up something. Christ lived at a different level. Amen? Completely different level. Comes down the mountain having spent time with God and there's this wretch of a man. Comes to him and, Lord, if you are willing, you can. If you are willing. He's got leprosy. He's a total outcast in society. Total outcast. You didn't go near a leper, did you know that? You touch a leper, you could soon have leprosy yourself. And once you had leprosy, let me tell you something, you would be cast out of society, left to die a miserable death in the leper colony, trusting in the kindness of other people to drop off their old carpets for you people to use sort of thing. You don't touch a leper because you end up like that. But the Lord works on a completely 
different level. He looks at this man, there's tears in his eyes to think that he would think he wouldn't be willing. Do you know that? Of course I'm willing. Who do you think I am? You're my child. There's nothing more I'd like to do. And then he does the unthinkable. It says in the Bible, I've said this before, he touches him. He doesn't touch him. That word is he took hold of him. Took hold of him. Amen. Took hold of the leper. Sure way to get coronavirus. Hey, Sharon. Just go to the family and pray for all of them and hold them. and Forget about a stupid mask. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I tried to get corona. I really did. Wanted to give it a thump. Wouldn't come for me. Surprise, surprise. But you see, he touched the leper. And he wasn't concerned about getting leprosy, you understand? The last thing on his mind <clears throat> took hold of him. Power of God. <laughs> that leprosy packed its bags and <laughs> gone. We out of here, boys. This is not the place to stick around. You understand? Completely different level. Completely different level. And that's what he expects for you and I. How are we going to do it? Take this brain and twist the little dials. <laughs> when we read the scriptures, don't start to try and reason, oh, well, in that day and age, they had very good medical attention. No, it was a miracle. Thank you. He walked on water. He walked on water. Amen. Can you see? We've got to, when we read the Bible, rip out the old and fill it with the new. You know, I do that consistently. My soul. Who operate on this earth as giants. Are you hearing me? Fearless. Fearless. But we have to do the work. Because if there's doubt in your mind, and you see, that's the problem with us Christians. We sort of got one foot here and one foot over there. You understand what I'm talking about? The best illustration I can give of this is I was involved with a children's ministry. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, there was one little girl. Her name was Tanira. And she had a wonderful mother called Valerie. And we were at a camp on the side of Kyle Dam, there in Fort Victoria area. And I had been teaching these little kids in my Sunday. She was in my Sunday school, by the way, as best I could about faith. That's where that song comes, How Can You Make Faith Grow? So Tanira was sort of versed in faith, thanks to dear old Uncle Graham, of course. Anyway, Tanira had the misfortune on this occasion to be stung by a bee. I don't know if you've been stung by a bee, but it's not a very pleasant experience, especially if you're about five years old. So she gets stung by the bee, and now she's got a problem, you see, because she knows she's got to stand in faith, but she's also got her mother. So she started to say, Jesus, Jesus, mommy, mommy, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, mommy, mommy. <laughs> you see? And that's you and I as Christians. We know what we're supposed to do. And we get challenged. And what do we do? Oh God, oh God, doctor, doctor. Oh God, oh God, doctor, doctor. Do you understand? We challenge financially. Oh God, oh God, bank manager, bank manager. Hallelujah. Now is it wrong to go to the doctor or the bank manager? Not necessarily. You understand? But what's got to change fundamentally inside of us? Can you see? How are we supposed to actually think? The very last option. Number one option is what? God. 
always amazes me. People rush off to the doctor, then they say, can we pray? Now I understand the situation, but what should be our reaction, our response? Let's pray. Amen? Let's pray. Let's trust God. That should be our automatic reaction. I'll tell you a true story. There's a man that was on his plot, whatever, trying to fight a fire. The wind turned and he suffered, I think it's second degree burns. I don't know, but he was bad, very bad, bad burns. There was a meeting in the church that evening. I think it was faith message revival, whatever. And he's suffering from all these burns. What is the natural thing to do? Stay at home, get all the padding you need around you. He said, no, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And he went to church. And guess what happened in the service? Totally healed. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way to live. Amen? That is the standard God is setting for you and I. Now, are we there yet? We had a man in our church. He always asked me questions about, when are we going to study this? I said, when we get there. Because sometimes you can't just go there and there. You understand, when we get there. So he'd say to me, are we there yet? <laughs> the answer is no. Possibly. You understand? We're not necessarily there yet. But what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Do you understand? And changing this thinking means ignoring the way the world thinks. Are you hearing me? What a challenge. What a challenge. It's quite natural to get into fear, is it not? But it's not what God wants. Amen? It's not what God wants. Can I tell you, children of God, if you understand this, you and I are not allowed to get into fear. Do you know that? We're not allowed to. Is it easy? Well, we get better at it. Did you know that? And we can train our minds not to be afraid. Amen? We can. By continually changing our thinking. Don't be afraid, Giles. Everybody said your child's dead. Don't worry. Don't panic. Oh, my soul. The man's mad. It's all right for you. You haven't got a daughter who's dead. Sort of thing. You understand? No, I don't have a daughter who's dead, but I've got a God that's bigger than death, so stick around. We've got to start changing our thinking. Bible-based thinking. And once again, let me say, this will not make you popular with other people. Did you know that? But we're not here to be popular. We're here to make a difference. Amen? Christ wasn't popular when he said, she's only sleeping. But once he raised her from the dead, let me tell you, man of power for the hour. You understand? See, brothers and sisters, we've got to work on this thing. We don't have a choice. If you read that scripture, it says, renew your mind that you might know the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Amen? Can I just reverse that? If you and I do not renew our minds, guess what? We won't have a cooking clue what God's will is for our lives. And in any situation, did you know that? You won't know. You won't know. You can't know. So you're sitting there waiting for God to tell you something, 
But if your mind isn't renewed, he can't tell you because you won't believe it. Do you understand? You won't. You can't. We can't. We have to have a mind that is renewed so we can hear God's will for our lives. His way is not our ways. Amen? God tells you, I want you to just launch out in faith and preach the gospel. <laughs> um, you know, you're forgetting something. Oh God, uh, rent, food, clothing, pension, <laughs> transport, etc. Maybe an odd holiday thrown in. So you're forgetting about that, aren't you? No, I'm not forgetting about that. You're mindful of that, so you can't hear me. You won't do it. You get it? Amen? You've got to renew our minds. You've got to renew our minds. But please note, it's not just a case of bombarding your mind with the Word of God, as good as that is. It's no good just buying all the new carpets you can possibly get your hands on. It's not good enough. You have to get the new carpets, yes, but what have we got to do first? Take our will in our hands and rip up the old way of thinking. That's what church is about. Let me tell you something. Real church should be a place where your and my thinking is confronted every time. Amen? Every time. Confronted. Challenged. Challenged. There's more. There's more. That's what we do here. Spend our time saying, oh, you're so wonderful. You beautiful creatures. Gorgeous children of God. Imagine if I preached like Just think, one day in the sweet by and by, you shall all be whisked into heaven. To be happy ever after. You're thinking to yourself, but I've got cancer gnawing away at my stomach right now. What must I do about that? Oh, don't worry, sister. God loves thee. No! No. You and I have got to renew our minds. Preferably before the proverbial poor paw hits the fan. You understand? Because if you try and renew your mind when the poor paw has hit the fan, guess what? It's a bit late. Are you hearing me? It's too late. And then you have to pray to God that somebody who has renewed their mind is available to come and let their faith help you. Amen? And that in this day and age is quite risky because it's really rare, let me tell you. Sad to say. I hear the Holy Spirit telling me to shut up. Glory to God. <laughs> 